The greatest problem in this world is that people are too f***ing scared to be themselves. Scared of what others think. Why? Because society made you fit into a tiny little box. And you know what time it is. What it, time is it? It is! And power the fuck out of your lifetime! <laughs> but, um... We're very, um... We're good with, like... Zingers? Improv. Improv. Oh, yeah. If you guys could see Luca right now, I, like... <laughs> he is... You'll never touch this! <laughs> he's making me laugh because literally, like, two seconds before we started this podcast, we have all these, like, little sprays, and he, he just picks up our emotional balance spray and just spritzes us. Yeah. And he's additionally... He's wearing... We have this, like, vibrational device called a Healy that we use for certain things, and he has it, and he's wearing it, and it's attached to his ears at the moment. Yeah, and I'm running a... Uh, he's running, running a, a hair program. Program, program and so with alopecia yeah because you've been working through your alopecia it's just been really good hasn't it yeah it's been really good yeah nervous system stuff ptsd stuff have and you told people about your alopecia yeah yeah i put some po- oh a while ago but i put an instagram post up and yeah about it's it. been a really interesting journey watching you like move through your alopecia and heal it and yeah. um one of the things that we we learned or you learned through this research is that um it's alopecia is a common side effect would you say of, of ptsd yeah. is a symptom from symptom ptsd from ptsd yeah yeah which is interesting because i didn't know that when i was like all of a sudden i had a i had a lot it's funny how much my nervous system's changed, right? Oh my and gosh, PTSD, so My PTSD changed. used to be actually really bad. Yeah. But when I first realized, I was like, oh shit, I think I got PTSD. And now it's just so obvious that I had PTSD yeah. really bad. Um, and then after, as I was going through that whole process, I started getting like little patches of hair missing. And I'm like, holy shit. And then it became a big patch of hair yeah, at the back. It was and a I'm really like, big for a patch for the while. It's all growing back in that area. There's one still growing back now, that other yeah. one, the big yeah. one. But but even what was really cool in realizing your shift in PTSD is like one of the things that I, I realized through this yeah. is Luca would get really triggered if anything like slams. You know how sometimes like the door slams in by like accident in the wind or, or just accidentally you slam it or like you slam the cupboards or just the, kind of that, right? Never was a thing to me. Obviously, you know, when someone's sleeping, you don't want to do that. But just in the day, if it happened by accident, one of the things that would happen is Luca would get really triggered and you get really angry with me um, that the door slammed. And I would kind of be like, the fucking door slams, like from Mm -hmm. the wind. It's not Mm -hmm. my fault. And you would be like, why the fuck did you do that? Um, And it was never like, it was never at me, but you were angry towards me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you, you know that triggers me. Well, it and wasn't then, even that. Yeah, but then we realized, then you realized, you're like, that's not normal. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, hang on a second. And it was something about PTSD because I was like, well, PTSD, I always imagine with like people going, with the people that have gone to war. Yeah. And my war was just a different war. My war was in the household. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. realize that. And so that's funny. And I, and I, it's, 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 it's not necessarily a particular type of trauma. It's a particular type of experience that you've had mm. that has significantly impacted your nervous system. So you've mm-hmm. been operating in a state of stress for a long period of time. For me, it was about eight years. I was in a state of stress, you know. Mm. So it takes a bit of work to heal that stuff. And I think and we've done a good job of it. You've done a really good job. And, you know, I and this is 
yours this is a, something for us like this is something I talk about in my programs is everyone's pain is different but I noticed I even had some like small levels of PTSD from yeah. coming out of training and doing synchro again nothing compared to going through domestic violence physical, a physical stress right yeah because, because my body was so physically stressed from training so often like I would sometimes wake up in the morning and like at five in the morning if I would just wake up early and have like a panic because I thought that I had to go training and train mm-hmm. all day and just because my body was really pushed the limit and so exhausted that I found even I still have small moments when things happen and I get triggered um but I have come a long way and I think it's for all of us it's like if we had a significant stress in our life at a certain point because our body isn't supposed to be functioning in stress constantly it's not that's not healthy right stress is created for us to pump adrenaline so that we can go into survival mode and save ourselves from the saber-toothed tiger or the mammoth Mm -hmm. we're not supposed to constantly be in stress but the life that we're living is a lot more stressful now we don't switch off and so that can cause people to be in stress and so whether you are like we're in an unhealthy relationship or grew up in domestic violence or you were overtrained or you had a stressful job you might find that you have triggers that basically remind you that Mm. you were in that time and one of the things that I was reminded of recently that really like I don't know. You know what? Sometimes when things just click, but it was this reminder that the subconscious doesn't know time. And so if you have something that's in your subconscious and you're triggered in your current reality, say I used to wake up at 5 a.m. all the time and I'd be exhausted and I'd go train all day. And now I wake up at 5 a.m. My body, if it hasn't healed that, it actually doesn't know the difference. It doesn't know that I'm not in that state that I was three, four Mm -hmm. years ago. Luca's body didn't know that when the door slammed, he wasn't still nine years old. Mm-hmm. They The subconscious only functions in the present moment, so it thinks everything is happening in the present moment. And so this is why it's so important to do the healing work so that when those things happen, your subconscious yeah. isn't triggered, yeah. right? 100%. This is a t- so, total side 100%. tangent, but I think... I think it's actually important because we're talking about empowerment, yeah. and there's nothing more empowering than feeling good in your body yeah, and not being so yeah. reactive to the yeah. environment around you, mm-hmm. right? And that's one thing that I've definitely noticed in doing this healing work on my own nervous system is I feel more relaxed and content Mm. and nothing's I'm not on edge Mm. Um, because I was always like even though even though I was sometimes consciously on edge I'm always unconsciously on edge right and so then you'd you know maybe you go a little bit too maybe you've gone you've gone down the street for to go and grab some food or you've gone to the gym and you're taking more longer than expected Mm. my mind would run rampant saying that something's gone wrong Mm. something's happened because that's sort of what I was programmed that yeah. that was generally the case growing yeah. up yeah well so. and even we were in New Zealand we just got back from New Zealand a couple of days ago and we were staying with friends for a month and we were in their house which is so lovely we stayed with them for a month and it was so fun yeah um but they had so many doors. There was the house of doors, the house and of the doors. doors would slam all the time because of like if one was opened when the, the window, window was open, yeah. then the door would slam, and it was we'd always try and catch the doors just because it's annoying. But I had this. That was the moment I realized how much he changed because I feel like in less than a year, if that would have happened a year ago, every time the door would have slammed, you would have been angry. Yeah. And and now it's just it's annoying like it shocks you but it doesn't trigger anger in you and I think that really goes really well into our first point that we wanted to talk about today because it's self responsibility. Yeah. And there was a point when you, you These realized are the three points. We're th- we have three points that we're going to share today um, about how to empower the fuck out of your life but one of the things that was really powerful for you was realizing this makes me laugh that the door slamming isn't my fault mm-hmm. that you get angry yeah. it's your 
your thing that you have to work yeah, through. To and I can be aware of making sure that things don't slam because yeah. sometimes I'm not as aware in that part of my life. But that was your shit. It yeah. wasn't mine. Yeah. And this is a choice. So self-responsibility is a big choice because you have, you can either take responsibility for the results you have in your life and the experiences that you have in order to change them or you can continually put that experience down towards something that happened in your life something someone that someone else something that someone else did it's a result of that you know what's really important with self-responsibility is you actually put the power back in yourself and that starts empowering you mm. you put the power back in your hands you become the creator now of like okay Let's see what I can create from this. If this is just what's happened, this is just what's happened. And for me, in that situation of like talking about my PTSD, and I can sit here my whole life and say, you know, if I had a better dad, if I had a better stepdad, like my, my, my father was a drug addict, went to jail. My stepfather was a violent alcoholic. Um, if I had a mother that wasn't, you know, sticky defending her defending for her life and you know unavailable more available to be there for me and nurture me my life would be so different it'd be so much better i'd be like the kids that i went to school with that i always Mm -hmm. envied but the the truth is i can't go back change that Mm -hmm. and so for me it had to be a really big fucking moment to go Mm -hmm. i have to do something about this otherwise i'm going to be a victim to my circumstances and i Mm -hmm. say victim because i was a victim Mm -hmm. and most times you are a victim that's why people are victim in victim mentality because they were a victim nothing wrong with that that's the that's the truth of it you are a victim but the point is are you going to switch over from being a victim into being a creator into being taking responsibility your life because that there is the choice so self-responsibility is a mindset that you have to go decide to embody to switch you from the old into the new Mm -hmm. and so you can start receiving new results in your life and it's really this understanding that and this is hard but like no one's coming to save you Mm -hmm. you are here to save you and so often we think that something's gonna happen if if we do one you know something shifts like we earn a certain amount of money or we lose a certain amount of weight or whatever then everything's going to be different or someone or going into a relationship is someone's going to sweep us off up off our feet and they're going to save us no one's going to fucking save you it's your job to save yourself and if they do even in a relationship like it's my job to take care of myself and your job to take care of yourself and then on top of that we compliment each other but we have to be self-responsible and i think even in our relationship that's allowed us to have so much more like our relationship gets better and better it's Mm mind-blowing like we've been together for four years now and it gets better and better i i haven't had that experience in the past i don't know if you've had that experience in the past but i think that's from our ability to grow and our ability to take responsibility Well, i don't think i've ever had a relationship like this because i haven't been like this Mm -hmm. you know i've always I've always been outside of myself. I've never really understood what taking responsibility yeah. was. I never really understood what doing the inner work was and the importance mm-hmm. of it. The reason our relationship gets better and better is because you and I both individually do the work. Mm-hmm. But we also, self-responsibility in our relationship is, is a really big part of our success in our relationship mm-hmm. because it doesn't allow us to like point the finger all the time. It stops, prevents us from pointing the finger all the time saying you did this you got to change this instead of going okay that might there might be a times where i have to just sort of be like you got to jump up a little bit here you got to step mm-hmm. up a little bit and you'll do the same calling to me. the other person to rise but then at the same time we look in our own backyard and go okay well what am i what can i be doing better to make sure that i'm an embodiment of what mm-hmm. i'm preaching to 
you or you preaching to me, right? Yeah. That's a big thing we both do. Yeah. And I think that there's this real balance between knowing when it's your responsibility to take care of yourself and to call yourself to rise. And also knowing this has been a big thing for me, knowing when things aren't my responsibility has been really interesting, especially like in our relationship, but in life. And this is, and this is, I'm not saying this in shifting back into the victim, but in the sense that sometimes as for me, I have the wiring to step into martyrdom and be Mm -hmm. a savior for everyone and take everything personally. But sometimes even in arguments that we've had or things that have come up for us, I've had moments where I have literally been like, that's not mine to carry. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard because I want to help you and save you. And that also takes self-awareness to know that I'm not just projecting, right? Because there's a very big difference between projection and knowing that it's not mine to carry. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, whether it be in relationships or in friendships, we can take things on that aren't necessarily ours. And it's a really, really big shift energetically for us to be like, and come from an energy of that's not not mine. Mm-hmm. That's your thing to deal with. I'm going to be here on my end and take responsibility for my stuff, but I don't need to take responsibility for everything because the mm-hmm. other person has to meet you halfway. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think the next thing with self self-responsibility is that when I mentioned a little bit before results, you have to really grab your, your goals and everything in you and put it in your hands you have to hold your goals and put them in your hands hold your ambitions hold your dreams and put them in your hands and take full responsibility to achieve those things that you make sure that and this is something that i've learned a bit like you've got to put yourself in the fucking arena you've got to make the risks you've got to make the decisions make the choices mm-hmm. that you need to make to get those things done mm. to step into the arena like we made big decisions in our life and you think about those big decisions that were very scary at times like we sold everything moved to bali mm-hmm. we put ourselves in that arena mm-hmm. right um we we invested heaps in some courses and in and ourselves, ourselves. And in ourselves, like Which we took, is so scary. Like we, we take risks in business all the time. We take risks in life, yeah. loving someone all the time. But don't like be so self responsibility that no matter be so self responsible that no matter what arena you put yourself in, you trust that it's going to take you somewhere that somewhere greater, mm-hmm. even if there's a slight chance that it doesn't work out, and even if it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. you can trust yourself to lead you through it, no matter where it goes, mm-hmm. right? But you have to be. I think there's some really powerful work to be, some really powerful words to be said around discipline, mm-hmm. around commitment. Mm-hmm. And one of the words that we'll talk about is courage. Courage, which is next, next that we want to talk about. So the first way to empower the fuck out of your life is to be self-responsibility. That's something that yeah you guys understand. I talk about this in Reclamation as well, um, which was the program that Worthy was. It's been renamed to Reclamation. Um, but then the next one is courage. Because to live an empowered life, you have to be courageous. And a lot of people, we were talking about this on our walk this morning, a lot of people think that you have to be confident and then courage will come. (laughs) But the thing about courage is that you're scared shitless and you do it anyways. Mm -hmm. And then with, when you start to compound your courage from the taking action, you're going to get more confident. Mm -hmm. People think confidence is a natural ability. 
Um, but what we and and I would have thought this for a long period of time too, actually. Like it wasn't. Did a, you? Yeah, I thought like confidence is a natural ability. Really? Yeah, but the thing is. So you just thought some people were more confident than others. Yeah, I just thought you're more confident, but then I really started to really think mm. about it, and I was like, hang on a second, no. And I started to study it a little bit more, and I'm like, this isn't the case. Confidence is not a natural ability. Confidence is compounded effort. Mm-hmm. On, on one particular area in your life that mm-hmm. becomes really good. So you might have a natural talent at it, which you might do, say you've got a natural talent at football mm-hmm. and, or piano. So you've got a natural ability to p- piano, but you still have to put in the pr- practice, the consistent mm-hmm. effort to mm-hmm. be, become better and better and better at that. Mm-hmm. And then when you become better and better and better because you've done time doing that, that task, you become more confident. Confident is just compounded effort over time. And I think some people hide, but but, and this used to be me because I, if you guys don't know, there's there is an introvert shy girl inside of me. Luca knows this. Mm -hmm. There is a girl that doesn't like to speak, doesn't like to show up, doesn't like to do anything. There is definitely that inside of me. But there's also this polarity where I am an incredible speaker. I am can come across as very confident to people, but so people would never expect that. And I think sometimes those of us that identify as introverts think that we're just not going to be confident. And I believe at confidence looks different for everyone. Let's just say that confidence isn't going to, doesn't mean you have to go do public speaking, but even if you find yourself to be more shy or more introverted, there are still ways that you can cultivate confidence. Mm -hmm. Confidence is really just owning who you are and being able to speak up about what you need. You don't have to be loud in, in, in someone's face to be confident. It's just really being grounded in who you are and not allowing people to wobble you, not allowing you to shake. Yeah. Well, people want confidence. I don't think you want confidence. I think you want courage. Yeah. I think it's more important to have courage than it is to have confidence. I don't... There's a lot of things that I'm scared shitless to do. I'd do it anyway. And when you've done it enough, it becomes confident. Like I say, an insecurity is just an under-trained ability. Mm. And if you want to make an insecurity a confident ability, train Mm. it more. And, I mean, I spent years doing synchronized swimming and... Every time when I would go out and perform and compete hundreds and hundreds of times over 18 years of swimming, I'd feel like I was going to shit my pants. I was going to wee. I was going to throw up. I felt so nervous and overwhelmed and scared, but I went out and did it anyways. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that that compounding of confidence had helped me do so much in my life. And so I'm so grateful to sport for that, for basically putting me in adverse situations. Because I think sometimes it's easy to say when you watch an Olympics or you watch someone speaking on stage to be like, oh, well, it's easy for them. It's not. Literally, when I was about to go out and compete at the Olympic Games, I would remember I was standing in that hallway. I could hear everyone out there. And there's TV cameras everywhere. We could. I think we swam right after the Russians, which is not a very good placement because they're incredible. Um, the Russian coach was like, this chubby lady is like trying to push past me. And I'm like, this is my moment, miss. Can you just give me some space? I was so nervous. Like, I, I can't even fully describe to you how nervous I was. My entire body, if I listened to what my body was saying, you would have stopped. I would have stopped. I would yeah. have left the stadium. I would have gone home. I would have gone under my covers, right? Everything viscerally inside of me was telling me, no, don't do this. This is too hard. It's too much. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be scared. All of this. Mm-hmm. And then I went out and did it anyways. Mm-hmm. And, and, 
it's not that I, 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 I don't believe that I'm braver than anyone else. I believe that we all have this capacity in front of us. And I was actually thinking about this. I can't remember if it was this morning or yesterday, but there's a moment, there's a moment. It's, it's like a split second moment that all of us have where we decide in challenging situations, either to level up or to back down. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for me, I had so many of these moments when I would go out and compete or I'd have these moments when, you know, I, I use this example of we used to swim laps underwater and your lungs are screaming at you. Right. Everything inside of you wants to come up for a breath of air. And holy crap, a doodle. I would think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. What it would be like if I just came up. Mm-hmm. But there was a split second where I had the chance to decide if I was going to give up or level up. Mm-hmm. And in that split sev- second, I give myself the ability to think about what it would be like to give up. But then I decide to just push a little bit further, mm-hmm. a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. And eventually you get to the end of whatever you're doing and you realize that you've leveled up. Mm-hmm. And we all have that inside of us. You know, I remember I used to feel this feeling when I would go on first dates. It's so nerve wracking. The introvert inside we did. The introvert inside of me does not like first dates. I do not like that conversation. I do not like that. But there's a split second where I I get the chance to decide: Do I want to level up or do I want to back down? Mm. And I just think for all of you guys to remember that in your life. I would argue too, though, that I would say a lot of introverts claim to be introverts when they're just actually more insecure. And that courage in itself would be the answer for them to actually... They, they, they might actually have talents and skills and gifts that mm. could put them to being more of a people person or more mm-hmm. of an extroverted person. I think if, if you're out there listening to this, just double check, is my introverted personality more of an insecure personality? And if it is, how can you be more courageous to step into the arena that whatever arena that is for you? For instance, like I talked about, um, I've, I've recently had this conversation with someone pr- recently, which was, you know, battling uh, social anxiety, a shyness around in social situations, and how to overcome social anxiety. And I and I explained, well, how would you? What's something that you're really good at? And they, and they told me what they're really good at. And I said, okay, how did you get better at that? And they're like, well, you know, I did it for years. I trained, I practiced. I was like, cool. So if you want to get better at being, it being more, uh, to being having less social anxiety, so being more comfortable in social situations, what do you think would be the answer to, 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 to get that? So boy, going to be in more social situations. 100%. Mm. So I said, go put yourself in that. I send you, I'll give you a challenge. Go put yourself in that situation a lot more. Go, go out there and go to meetups. Re- com- meet complete strangers and set yourself a challenge. I'm going to go meet up, meet up in a group of strangers. So there is this website called meetup.com. Mm. Go find a meetup. Something, you know, connect on with some people who have a topic that you know, might be interested in. And go in there fully courageous. Like put your courage hat on and walk in and own it. Even though you're anxious like Danielle was at, at the Olympics, even though she could have just easily turned around, she was shitting herself, the most anxious she's ever been, the most nervous she's ever been before an event, before her sporting event, the same sort of thing with you. The most nervous you've ever been, can you lean into that, breathe, and know that once it's done, it's done. And then you do that just one more time another week. Another week, one more time. Do it over eight weeks. Set yourself an eight-week challenge. 
And I guarantee you, you'll be way more confident mm. at getting into a social situation than ever before. It's the same thing with public speaking. People want to get better at public speaking, they say, go do Toastmasters. Toastmasters mm. is this big event where you go and speak in front of random people. And then eventually you do that enough, you're a public speaker. Mm. So face, face the uncertainty, face the discomfort, and I guarantee you, with courage, you'll gain more confidence. Mm. What's and, our next one? Well, I just wanted to have a quick conversation too about anxiety yeah. because I think a lot of people... I've, I've kind of a controversial opinion around anxiety because I, I do... I believe in anxiety, obviously. But I think that it's really interesting because when I was 10, 11, 12 years old... I didn't have the vocabulary for anxiety. It wasn't something that was commonly used. And I think now it's much more open that, you know, people talk about anxiety and anxiety disorder, which again, is a great thing to be aware of mental health. But I also think it's interesting because we have put anxiety in this box of being bad, right? And obviously crippling anxiety for some people is absolutely true and we need to give them the support to work through that, whatever that is. But anxiety in general is a normal thing to deal with in life. Mm -hmm. I was talking to my 14-year-old niece earlier at the end of last year, and she was telling me how she... Maybe this was last year. I can't remember. But she was going into high school, and she was saying that she had anxiety about it. And it, I found it interesting because it's fair. She Obviously, she was. I remember I was anxious going into uh, high school. But it's a normal thing. You're going into a completely new group of people. You're leveling up in your age group. Um, you're meeting new people. It's a normal thing to be anxiety-strickening. But... I think so many people allow the identity, which moves really well into our next point, the identity of anxiety to hold them back mm -hmm. from doing things that are actually really good from them that are going to expand their yeah. capacity to be who they're wanting to be. Because people say, oh, I can't do that. I'm anxious. Mm -hmm. I have anxiety or I have depression. Mm -hmm. But there's so many people, I really believe, that we can navigate through anxiety and depression by actually giving ourselves healthy, completely free, mental, sp physical, and spiritual tools to work through those things. Because mm -hmm. being sad and feeling anxious are normal things in life, mm -hmm. and we don't need to polarize them as a way for us to stop being and living the life that we need to. We need tools to be able to work through them. Mm -hmm. And this works so well with our third point, like I was saying, which is identity. Our first one, we were talking about self-responsibility. Our second one, we are talking about courage. And our third point is identity. Who do you identify as? Mm -hmm. What's your stories? What's your beliefs? What environment do you belong in? Quote, unquote. Mm -hmm. And, and, and if, if you can really elevate these three areas, you are going to step into so much more empowerment. Mm -hmm. And this is a big element of our retreat these three points these are huge elements of what we'll be doing in bali and so identity mm -hmm. the first one that i always think about with identity is like you said about anxiety the stories what stories what, what stories, story perpetuating yeah what story do you believe in about do you believe in about yourself what character have you written what, what's the main character in your story for life what what is an old story that or an old identity that you used to have Hmm. What are you going to spot? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so no, this is good. What's um? What's one of the old stories? Oh fuck! I remember I used to fight that whole like, um, like my whole my whole upbringing. 
like I used to think that my stepfather was like I didn't have the opportunities because I was like raised by a violent alcoholic and so I would always blame I would always say oh you know I was I never actually talked a lot about my childhood but I lived like that story so you lived in what identity though the identity of not you were having, hard done by hard done by mm. there you go that you were hard done by in your upbringing. Yeah. And so, therefore, you are not going to be as successful in life because you weren't given the... Um, yeah. In a way, but it also showed up in how I was behaving around other people because if people hadn't had a similar level of hard as me, I would be cold. Yeah. I did Even this with still, my ex-girlfriends. You still at work. At I, still, I still have work to do, but you've got the best of that. <laughs> I'm telling you Thank right you now. to your ex-girlfriends. Yeah. Like, Hayley, if you're listening, I apologize from the bottom of my heart. And, I, and I've already said that to her in person as well. Um, it's, it's a hardness in me where it's like your pain is nowhere near the pain that I've gone mm-hmm. through. So how can I re- relate? Mm-hmm. And so I found that the more I actually fix that story and realize that that isn't my identity, mm-hmm. it's just something that happened. Mm-hmm. It wasn't personal. It was just something that happened. But in some way, it helped me, and I had to learn the heal. I had to learn the 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 tools or the wisdom that that gave me, mm-hmm. so I could integrate that in my life. And Do you think that that was a uh, crutch that you lean on if you didn't succeed in something? Like it was an excuse? yeah. I think so. I think it was actually to a point where all stories do that. All mm-hmm. stories will limit, limit you to the yeah. definition of the outcome of what that person's potential is. Because if you fail, then you can blame it on your story. Yeah, and that's what I talk a little bit about in some content pieces that I do. I think a lot of people's stories are their excuses as to why they could never reach their potential. Yeah. Um, you know, this happened to me, so therefore I can't be this person. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't raised by white collar workers or I wasn't raised by accountants, so therefore mm. how could I be good with money, right? Mm. Um, yeah, some, some other, what's well, some other classic stories? Well, for me, I used to Id- be in the identity of a, the shy girl. Yeah. The insecure, shy girl. That's a story that I used to... Like, I don't think that people fully understand how bad it was. I remember being 12 years old. I didn't... I never really ate out at restaurants growing up much, but, like, once in a while we would um, go to, like, Denny's or or whatever. And there was one time that my parents were at a wedding, and we... uh, I had a babysitter, and we were out of town, so we went to a Greek restaurant for dinner. And I was 12, and I was so nervous because I realized that I was going to have to order by myself. Mm-hmm. And I had never ordered by myself before because I was too shy to speak to the waiter. And so that was a moment where I, I didn't really know these people that were babysitting me. I didn't fully need a babysitter, but I was just in an area that I, a new town that I didn't know. Um, and so I remember feeling complete panic in my body that I had to speak to this waitress. Even still, I have moments where I fight this identity where I don't want to call someone and speak to somebody like whether I'm talking to my phone, you know, like my bill, like for our phone bill, um, Little things like that where I don't want to have conversations with people, but it used to be a complete identity that I held, and it was this real big, uh, this big challenge because even though I had this identity of being the shy girl that couldn't talk to people, I also bizarrely had this desire to do 
extravagant things and go and travel and share um, my story with the world. And so I realized that I couldn't be in the identity of the shy girl if I also wanted to do these things. Mm. And so I started to have to really dismantle that identity and practice and use experience that I had already banked in my life to allow me to give me the evidence to keep moving forward. Mm. Other things with stories too, the other elements of stories is you can have them everyday life. It's not major things, mm. but some things is like, I, I can't do this because you, and then whatever precedes that, I can't do this because yeah. I've got this, isn't this? Or I have, uh, I, I am this. Like we might hear, you'll hear people talk about their stories all day and we can pick it up yeah. in ourselves and we're like, I think you're fighting for a story there. People and that's, Some people say, oh, I can't get fit because, you know, I'm, yeah. or I can't get super, super ripped because it takes a lot of work and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So. And that's, I think you brushed past that, but it's so important. People fight for their stories. Yeah. And when, in the work that we do, people can sometimes get angry at us for encouraging them to let go of their story because people I so it's so deeply ingrained with their identity that if they don't have that story of being that person mm. then who are they mm-hmm. because they go well Danielle you just don't understand what I've been through in my life this but this happened and people will fight for their limitations yeah. Till the, like yeah. it is incredible mm-hmm. if you watch someone fight for their limitations because they will go in full force like it's World War Three fighting to hold up the limitations that are holding themselves back. And I guarantee if you come to our if you're coming to our retreat, if you're one of the people coming, or if you are thinking of joining, you're going to be breaking down some stories. Oh yeah. And we're gonna be stepping into an identity when you walk out, you're like, Holy shit, I've feel this identity yeah and empowered unlimited identity right and And that's for those of you guys that are listening to this at whatever time that's may 1st to 8th 2023 um we do have some spots available still in our retreat um which is yeah yeah if the people oh my gosh i'm like it's a different level when people join the retreat because knowing that we get to meet them in person is yeah. just like nothing it's else. It's going to be awesome. So we're going to be doing re- these these type, like imagine you're in a podcast now, but we're actually going to be doing these workshops. They're going to be very uh, practical yeah. as well, but in a yoga shala on this in beautiful tropical Bali not next like, to a river. Yeah, not like you're sitting there listening to us give a lecture. It's oh, going to be gonna, embodiment gonna be, There's practices. actually some like uh, beautiful cushions and pillows. We're, we're getting... One of the things that we're getting, should we say, about the um, Nullifolk, Bullifolk? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah, we're getting Me and Luke something. have a special language. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That, if you heard that, that's a, that's a language that... We, we have to we keep speak. some secrets, yeah, so they have some secrets. surprises. Anyway, so you're going to have pillows, you're going to be listening to us, and we're going to be getting up, doing exercises. Um, there's going to be lots of practical stuff. Another thing with identity is the beliefs. Oh, the beliefs that we have. So if we look at a story, a story is just a perpetuated belief. It's like a, it's like a verbal belief. So underlying that, you have to really come back to what... I think the key is in changing a story, you have to find the belief. The belief about who you are, the belief mm-hmm. about the world. Change those freaking beliefs. And you can see them. If you start to become aware, just look at the stories that you're saying during the day. It's like, I can't, I will, I have, I shouldn't. Anything that comes after I um, in conversation... And if it has more of a limited context or a reason as to why it can't happen, then there's your story. Go down, you'll find the belief. If we can change the belief and you change the action that comes from the belief, you'll start to change that identity. Mm -hmm. The last one, 
on well, identity. Which is so tied into our retreat as well, but can support all of you guys in your life is environment. Yeah. We usually stay in the environments that we identify as. Yeah. I even noticed with this with us, we did this on our flight back. Um, Luca was saying, he's like, let's go into this jewelry store. And in my mind, literally I go, I'm not the person that goes into the jewelry store. Yeah, like a Rolex store and try on just for fun. We weren't buying Rolex to try on. Um, We'll buy we'll buy Yeah, I believe that. And that's what we're working towards. But at the same time, I noticed the story inside of myself. Oh, I'm not the person that buys jewelry at the airport. Yeah. Who cares? Why am I fighting for that story? Yeah. I'm not the person that goes into that. I, I don't look and this is can come deep down to our um self worth as well because it's like, oh, I don't I don't feel worthy enough of walking into that place. I don't feel yeah. worthy enough of being in this physical environment. Fuck that. Fuck that. Right. <laughs> it's and it's it's really awesome because you've you've got such good self awareness and, and you, you do practice this work where you lean in. I'm like, let's go in. Remember a time I went into that suitcase store? So for those who are listening, <laughs> my one of my biggest goals for real biggest goals <coughs> is to buy a really expensive Can we just say and nice biggest goal? Yeah. Okay. I've had it for a while. Okay. You've, you've witnessed it. I know. I just think that there's bigger goals that you can have in life. Yeah, but this is up there. Okay. Like, I know I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, I'll look at myself in the mirror and okay, be like... Okay, what is it? What do you want? A very nice suitcase. <laughs> I, I love traveling with nice things. I, like I said, I was born for a luxe life. Um, and I was not born in a luxe life, if you, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, I was born with not much. But I'll tell you something now. I love traveling with like really nice things. And one of the nice things I want to travel with is like, there's this, we went into that suitcase store. It's a beautiful suitcase. It's called it a was, Tumi. Tumi? I, yeah. I, I'm the type of person that I, in my mind, I, I like nice things too. But if I'm going to spend $1,500 on something, I just don't want it to be a suitcase. That's yeah. me. I would rather go have a nice experience. I would well, rather so here's go a, here's the thing. buy jewelry, anything. Want, it's a suitcase. I want, Who cares? I, I want the nice experience. <laughs> it's like there's no limit to this. Yeah. If there's it's a $1,500 suitcase, it's not like... I can't do anything else. It's like, well, how can I afford everything else? Yeah. That's the mindset just, we want to have. It doesn't get my pussy wet suitcases. Okay. I'm just yeah. going to be honest. Yeah. I'm sorry if I have family listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, it does for me. Yeah, it so, gets your pussy wet. Anyway, we went into that shop, and I'm just like, I'll go into shops, even though it's like it might be an upper class, because there's this idea, right? It's like if you're not... If you don't feel wealthy enough, you can't go into like a Gucci store or you yeah. can't go into a Dior store or you can't go into a Rolex store. Why not? Like there is no limit. There might be, there's some jewelry stores in LA and stuff that you actually need to show your, your bank statement to go into really? them. Really? Yeah. What? When I went to LA, there was one that it was like you needed to You need actually, to show your bank statement. Yeah. You wow. need to show your savings account or something. That's an, an, an Yeah. And so, okay, cool. I clearly don't have the money to go into that store. But the stores that don't, I'm going to go in there and own it like I do. Mm. And that's, the, that's the, the big thing is like get into those environments, whether it's a clothing store or whatever, get into those environments that elevate you. Yeah. And then go in there with courage. Even though you might feel out of place, go in there as if you're supposed to be there. Mm. And, and I went on and I tried this watch. It was worth four grand. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> I felt that. And I'm like, felt that. damn, this yeah. is so nice. It was a really great practice of just being in that environment because usually we don't go into those environments because we think that the people in those environments are going to judge us. Mm-hmm. When usually it's us judging ourselves. 
Oh, the lady it's Alan's was so story. yeah. The Rolex lady was so nice. Like, and she who you don't even know who's a millionaire anymore. You know, like some of the wealthiest people walk around in sweatpants yeah. and sweatshirts, right? Like it it it's not. You don't have to be walking around and wearing Gucci and Prada and Louis Vuitton, but you know, it's just owning yourself, yeah. right? Who does she know is that the wet that we can or can't afford a Rolex at this point. Um, biggest at, biggest thing in our life has been changing our environment. Yeah, that has been really huge. And even in the past month, like we spent a month in New Zealand with our friends, um, Dane and Libby there, who we met in Bali, and yeah. they're from New Zealand. And that was huge for well, us and our expansion yeah. and our growth because we have been doing the entrepreneurship coaching thing very much. Um, it's our fourth year. Yeah, like just the two of us in our environment. And we used to live in Bali, and that was huge, going to Bali. But coming back to Vancouver, I think it was also because it was COVID, like, and Vancouver was pretty intense during COVID, so we couldn't really meet many new people. But um, being around like-minded entrepreneurs and, and people that are, like, spiritually aware yeah. as well was... All aware, not spiritually aware. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, we were manifesting and talking about the universe, but also about business and about yeah. growth and about the dreams and the goals that we have. And that was massive. Yeah, and that's huge. the reason why we moved to Bali initially as well. We were like, we're leaving Perth, we're moving to Bali because we want to put ourselves in the environment of the types of people that are doing things in the online world that make a difference in this yeah, world. Yeah, you want to have people that elevate you because if you're around people who aren't as ambitious or driven or do not have a similar vision for you as you as you do for your life, as uh, sorry, for their life as you do for your life, you're, you're probably going to you you're probably going to assimilate to their frequency. Mm. And this is just a just a note. Do not always seek out like-minded people because you'll never get a perspective. Yeah. You'll never get a full rounded perspective. You want to seek out family members who don't see the world the way that you do because you'll learn that it's not personal, it's just an opinion, it's just a perspective and that you can formulate an even better opinion, even better perspective because now you've got an unbiased view. Yeah. Take in take in different biases. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So it's about but it's more about spending time in the environment to make sure that you can elevate yourself yeah. out of the current environment and you yeah. don't get stuck. Yeah, and I, I think that's a really great reminder because it's not that you can never be... Like, I think being around all different types of people and all different types of circumstances is so important because ultimately we are no better than anyone else, mm-hmm. right? And so it's never getting too big-headed to think that you're better than the homeless person on the street because we're not, we're all yeah. the same, but also knowing that you're worthy of being that person that you believe yourself to be, that yeah. you hope yourself to be, mm-hmm. right? And I one of the... Um, in, it was a big realization for me in the past year was realizing the different types of people that I want to have in my life. I did a podcast uh, on uh, myself on this, but I think this was big for us coming back to Canada and being around my family and friends I grew up around is understanding that I have different types of friendships that really fuel me. And I actually learned this from Gary V because he was sharing how he still hangs around his friends that he went to high school with. And that's so wholesome and important and grounding because there's been people, people that might've known you your entire life. And both of us had these people, like most of the people that we're inviting to our wedding are people that we've known for our entire life that just Mm -hmm. love the heck out of us and then like-minded friends. Mm -hmm. And so the three different types of categories that you want is the people that ground you, right? And so often that 
is our family members, people that we've known throughout our childhood, if we still have really great um, friendships with them and they're supportive and they're healthy, then it's the people at our level doing similar things, right? For some people, that's their coworkers. You know, I have a friend that's an engineer. I have no idea what the heck she's talking about, but she's around other engineer friends and so mm-hmm. she can have those conversations. Whereas me and Luca get to be around other entrepreneurship coaches, people that are really big, expansive mindsets yeah. in our field. 100%. And that's really important for us. But then thirdly, we want to be around people that elevate us. Mm-hmm. So for us, that's whether that be listening to podcasts, going to conferences, being around mentors, investing in mentors and masterminds, people that we want to be like. And I find that, that those three is a really beautiful balance in living our life. Mm-hmm. Because I think that if we just stay too much in one, then we kind of lose a sense of groundedness. If mm-hmm. we only were around people and we said goodbye to every single one of our friends like that we've known for our whole life, I don't know if that would serve my soul. My part of our mission as well is to be around our family and our friends. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live my life not around family and friends. Um, you know, and so it, it is finding that groundedness, but realizing and having the ability to self-reflect and ask yourself, am I around these three different types of environments and what type of environment do I need to get myself around more? And that's one of the reasons as well we wanted to do our retreat in person because there is a different frequency that just naturally happens when you're in proximity to powerful humans. 100%. It just, there, it like, you cannot explain it. If you go to events, if you go to retreats, if you're around people that you have incredible conversations with, there is an energetic shift that happens, hands down, underlined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No questions asked. (laughs) One of the biggest transformations is when I went to my first retreat. Mm. I was like, remember I came back, I was like, holy shit. It was so wicked. And one of the things we are looking forward to the most is seeing that environment at our retreat empower Mm. and inspire you. So uh, that's all for us today. This is... This episode's all about your empowerment. Are you done? I could keep talking. Yeah, I know. You keep talking. But let's let's finish it up. Um. And if you are interested in joining our retreat or you want to hear more, there's a link in the show notes. Go and click that link. It'll tell you all about read the frequently asked questions, have a look at the location, have a look at what the retreat's all about. And um, if you're really interested in joining, there's a link on that landing page to express your interest. Mm -hmm. If there are still spots available, we'll get back to you. And a little bit more about the retreat. What's your favorite thing you're looking forward to about the retreat? Like one, like one no, of the most No, one, that's yeah. not fair. Um, being in Bali and actually being together. So some of these people that are coming are clients that I've known for a couple of years, and some people aren't clients, and there's new people that are in our world that have decided to come. But I have been in retreat-like experiences before, and the power that happens when you are in person and go through an experience like that that we're going to guide you guys through, it's just like creating a magical vortex it's it's like nothing else and I say this from the bottom of my heart and I like I feel like emotional talking about this because it is going to be a highlight of life and I, I, I say that as this is me under under delivering the power of the retreat because there is just nothing like being around like-minded ex, like expansive desired people that are willing to go to beautiful places together and be in person. Yeah. And I'm so excited to just be with everyone. Yeah. I think it's really cool when you go to a remote place, places with people that you would never, ever go on like a holiday with. It's basically a holiday, 
but we're elevating you through a series of workshops. We're taking you on an excursion to a bud to the jungle, and we're going to take you down there to have like a day of like wellness, which is mm. going to be really powerful. But then um, it's like getting in the bus with people, like getting in the car with people and be like, you've got your, your backpack and, you, and you're all like, okay, where are we off to now? Or you're getting up early and we're going on a hike or we're going to like rest by the pool and you're going to have your smoothie or your juice or your coconut water or whatever and you're just going to, you know, in one of the breaks or you're going to get your bodywork treatment in book, you've booked in your massage for, you've got, because you get two free massages uh, with us and you book that in and you in between the breaks of the workshops you can go and do that um, then you have nice dinners and you meet people and you hear people's stories and because you've become so vulnerable and you've opened up you connect on such a deeper level and it's the first time that you, in your probably life that you've ever felt so seen and mm. witnessed and, and loved for who that person is and that there is one of the most embarrassing powerful things is that what are you most excited about for the retreat I would say that like that, that whole experience yeah it, and just having friends because you if it won't be like being on a zoom with me or you if anyone's been on healing hour for reclamation or if anyone's been in one of my workshops or worked with me one-on-one it's not like that you're in person with me i'm going to speak to you most of the days but you're not even going to see me most of the days as like you're going to have more of a conversation with me you're going to have more interactions with me I'm excited to build relationships with people yeah, in person. I'm so excited. Some people that we've been following us for a while that are coming in. It's like some people we don't even know yeah. that we're going to build relationships with us. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And taking them on a journey because we've been to Bali. We know Bali. We and knowing that Bali. we've actually been to the retreat center and it's epic. Yeah. And it's just down from the beach. We're going to be doing some exercises at the beach. We're going to be doing, you know, oh, it's Some people so cool. run retreats and they've never been to Bali. And I'm like, what? How do people? That's just out of integrity for me. Anyway, so that's one of the things that's really important. That yeah. I'm really grateful that we had that experience. Yeah. Um, because we know Bali, we know Mama Bali, and we're here to hold you through that. Yeah. So it's really exciting. That's the empowerment, re- the empowerment retreat that we'll be running in Alumina, Bali. Alumina. Bali. May 1st, 8th, 2023. Yeah. And I don't know if we're running one again. I've had people ask. I don't know. We haven't. We haven't. Uh, We're focused on this one. We're focused on a retreat this year. That's really huge for us. And we're getting married at the end of the year. So, uh, yeah. You might be going to the. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's a secret. We're not talking about that. Yeah. Um, But. Uh, yeah, so if you are saying, oh, I'll come to the next one, I, I can't guarantee we're going to have another one. I don't know. I just yeah, don't know. It'll it, be very different. Anyway. Yeah. That's all. Thank you for your time. Thank you for giving us 49 minutes of your time. You're the best. I really appreciate that. And if you have any shares or you, you have any breakthroughs, DM me. I love hearing it. Uh, until then, until our next episode, take care. Have, have a beautiful day. day. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are at the end of the podcast and congratulations because you are the small 1% that actually listens to this outro.